Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Sponsored by Journey 333. That is a place of mind, body, spirit that helps you with fitness, coaching, and nutrition to look better, live better, and feel better. We produce these episodes every week for your enjoyment to help people to overcome adversity and live their dreams. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. Now that's a lot of threes. That's a place of mind, body, spirit, fitness, coaching, and nutrition, where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better. We are coming to you with the Overcomers Podcast. Today, we got a very special guest in the house. It's Tracy McCubbin. And let me tell you about her. She is the CEO of Declutterfly. She is an author. She's an author of the book, Making Space Clutter-Free. This is an Amazon bestseller. And when we talk about overcoming in our lives, when we talk about getting our minds right, sometimes we got to get our space right to get our minds right. In fact, I would say all the time, we got to get our space right to get our minds right. And I can't wait for Tracy to tell you about how to make your life clutter-free. Tracy, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you for having me. I love the title of your podcast. I love it. The overcomers, because for so many of my clients that I work with and readers of my book, you know, they think like they should have been born perfect, right? I should have been born to know how to organize. I should have been born to know how to eat right. You know, we beat ourselves up all the time. And what I always say is like, you may not know how to do this, but you can learn, right? You can understand. So I love this idea overcoming. I think we are going to be so aligned in our messaging. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Oh, well, we are excited to have you on the show. Uh, so tell me, you know, did the book, was the book first or was the company first? The company was founded in 2006, I believe, right? You know, so. Yeah, yeah. So um, the book came after the company came first. And, you know, my journey as an entrepreneur, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I never meant to start a company. I was sort of doing a bunch of jobs. I was working as a personal assistant for five years. And so I would, when I had some extra time or my boss's friends needed help, I'd sort of like go and help them get their house ready to sell or their grandma had passed away and help them get rid of the stuff. And so I was just doing these jobs. I was doing them for free or a little bit of money. And a friend of mine was like, you know, I think you have a business. Like people really need this service. And I was, I thought, ah, oh, no, what, what? And then more jobs were coming and more jobs were coming. And I realized I didn't want to be in the entertainment business. So I was like, let me make a website. Maybe I'll start a little business. So you know, 14 years, 15 years later, I have eight employees, thousands of clients. Um, so the business was born out of a need and a desire. And then through working with clients for so long, I really saw um, that we all have this similarity, that we all tell ourselves these stories about our stuff and we, we emotionally attach to it and we use our stuff to fill all these kinds of needs. So out of that is how the book was born. Well, I can't wait for you to talk about some of those emotional needs and, and you know, what our stuff fills for us, because I think that that is very aligned with our show where we help people to get their minds right. Uh, and before we do, uh, this starting this company, you know, thousands of clients, eight employees later, has caused you to be featured by some pretty cool places, you know, whether it be CBS, NBC, um, let's see, there was uh, House Beautiful, Goop, the Washington Post, you know, so uh, congratulations to you on all your success. And, and for those fitnesspreneurs listening, or, or even any entrepreneur that's listening, she saw a need and she filled it. She saw a problem and she solved it, you know, so that is how all great businesses are born. Uh, really good stuff there. So let's talk a little bit about this, Tracy. You know, what do you find uh, is it that you help people to overcome these emotional attachments to their things? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking declutter. Uh, in my mind, I start to go to the extreme states where people are, uh, what do they call them? Hoarders? Hoarders. Hoarders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's an interesting thing to bring up. And I always like to talk about this in the beginning. There is, there's sort of two paths. There are people who are hoarders and that is a disorder. That is an anxiety disorder. It's very serious. If people, if listeners feel like that's an issue for them, there's a lot of resources out there. You can take a test and figure out, and you need to understand that 
or if you have a loved one, that's a very, very serious um, disorder that can be helped with meds and cognitive behavior therapy. And there's a lot that can be done. My focus, I'm also part of the story. I'm the child of a hoarder. So I spent my whole life watching my father struggle with this disorder. My book and my approach is much more for those of us, um, which are most of us, dealing with everyday clutter, dealing with why we shop too much, um, why we have too much stuff, why we're spending too much money, the holes in our lives, like where we don't feel fulfilled, we stuff with the actual stuff. So, you know, it's not, I, I always tell people it's not unlike overeating or over drinking, or you're like, well, if one cookie makes me feel good, then 12 will make me feel better. You know, if one pair of shoes makes me feel good, 12 pairs of shoes will make me feel better. And as I'm sure you always know, 12 cookies do not make you feel better. Right. <laughs> so it's this awareness of why are you holding on to your stuff? What's, what's um, occurring for you? What's the pain you're trying to avoid? What's the grief you don't want to go through? What's the loneliness you don't want to sit sit with? What are you trying to fill with your stuff? And then through that realization, it makes it easier to let go. You know, we just got through lockdown and the pandemic. And I'm telling people, look, you were in your house for a year. If you didn't use everything in your house during that time, you probably don't need it. Right. So it's a real, a real reckoning right now of our relationship with our stuff. So through the work with my clients, I saw that everybody tells these stories and there's seven of them. They tell these stories about why they have to keep the stuff that they don't need, want, or use. And I call these stories, the emotional clutter blocks. Mm -hmm. So they're these set and everybody tells them different po points in your life. You know, we create these stories. So they range from my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. Like I can't let go of that because those were my baby's shoes or those were a sweater I wore on the first date with my now ex-husband to, um, you know, uh, I'm avoiding my stuff. My people who don't like to go through their paperwork, you know, they don't want to open their mail, piles of paperwork to my stuff tells me who I am. These are shoppers, right? Go out, buy. Oh, I'm a bargain hunter. Look, I got the, got this on sale to being stuck with other people's stuff which is people, a lot of people who have things of people who have passed away in their lives. So you've inherited, how can I get rid of this? It was my grandmother's. I don't, you know, I don't like this furniture, but it was hers. So I'm going to pay for a storage unit and keep it for years. And, you know, so it's these seven stories that we all tell ourselves and I cover them all in the book and um, they really resonate with people when people realize like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who's sentimentally attached. I'm not the only one who thinks I'm being frugal. It's really a freedom of like, oh, okay, I can choose now. I'm not burdened by my stuff. Oh, wow. That You sound as much like a life coach as you are <laughs> people to declutter their I do. I do tell clients all the time, like, especially my married clients, I'm like, marriage counseling is included. So I do. It's really psychological. It's, you know, you, you are in the fitness and, you know, mindset space. It's all psychological. It's all, we make all this stuff up. And the great thing is I always tell people, look, your stuff comes to you without meaning and you put all the meaning on it. So you can take all the meaning off of it. You can find the freedom yourself. It's really, it, it just makes people go like, oh, this isn't my fault. I'm not broken. I'm not messy. I'm not a bad housekeeper. I'm just, you know, um, I'm just dumping all my feelings inside onto, you know, my closet full of clothes. Mm. You just mm. said marriage counseling is included. <laughs> Think about this. I, I bet you that a lot of the listeners can identify with this. We all have stuff. If we have a significant other, we all have stuff in our house or in our you know dwelling place where we wish that the other person would get rid of some of their stuff, right? You know, and <laughs> so my stuff's that. important. Your stuff is crap. Oh, I know. I, I we just went through something earlier today where um, I was given a card, it had a quote on it. And, uh, you know, here we are in one of our facilities. 
And Cindy's like, oh, that was important to you? I was just about to throw it away. It looked like a piece of, you know, cardstock to me or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of typical of our relationship because like, you know, he's got some clutter. I got to get rid of it, you know? It's funny. So um, how does that work, you know? Because how do you help them to reconcile do you have a process for that do you have the do you have a way to help people yeah i i love working with couples and families and sort of the conversation always starts with what's the vision for your home you know Mm. our homes are tools right our homes are a place to keep us safe to give us rest to nourish ourselves so what's the common goal for the home do you have kids do you have are you empty nesters what do you want your home to be and then, you know, and usually everyone's like, I want it to be stress-free. I don't want to worry about stuff. I want to clean less. So when you create the vision, you set the goal, then everything works towards that. And also understanding like, look, you know, you, you'll you know this. I'm newly engaged. So I'm navigating all of this stuff too. Um, there is the There is the place where we come together, right? There's the place where this is the best for our family. And then... And so how do our common spaces help our family? And then sometimes you have to say like, that person's a little messy. They get their own space to be messy. And I just shut that door. So (laughs) it's a lot of compromise, but it's really about setting a goal. You have to start there. What's the vision for your home? What are you trying to create that's the best for you and your your couple or your family? What's the vision? Because if you don't have a vision, none of this matters. Uh, that's really good. That's really good. Start with the vision. And that's why some of us wind up with man caves, right? So then that way we can just go and have those things that would normally be thrown away in the man cave, right? <laughs> and also, that's why there's a lot of she sheds. Give me my she shed. I don't want you to touch my stuff. I want to be, I want to shut the door. So it's understanding that the common spaces are there to support the home. And maybe you've got to compromise a little bit. Um, But what also what I think people forget, and I'm sure you see this in your coaching business, is that there's so much shame. People come to me with so much shame, like I'm messy. I've always been messy. I got in trouble when I was a kid, you know, so they almost um, go the other direction. Like they're almost like, you know, I'm not going to be clean because everyone told me I was messy. But what they don't understand is that that's affecting their life. You know, clutter leads to increased cortisol. Um, they did a really fascinating study where they put people in a very cluttered kitchen and they offered them a carrot and a cookie. And almost everyone in the cluttered kitchen took a cookie. Then they did a, another group. They put them in an uncluttered kitchen. They offered them a carrot and a cookie and almost everyone took the carrot. Wow. So. Clutter leads you to making bad decisions, right? You're in overwhelm. Your cortisol's jacked up. You're in fight or flight. You, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, one one vision that a lot of people say to me is, we want to we want to stop going out to dinner. We want to start cooking healthier meals. We want to do this. And I'm like, well, your kitchen is all your counters are completely covered in everything. So how can you cook for? How can you nourish yourself if you don't have any counter space? Mm-hmm. So it's like clearing that off. And that's the vision. We want to eat healthier. That's an amazing goal. That's an amazing goal. Look, I tell people, I was talking to a client about this the other day, you know, their closet was a disaster. I can use that word. It was a disaster. They got dressed out of the laundry basket. And I was like, all right, I want you to think about this. You wake up in the morning. And the first thing you do is you walk into a mess and you're digging for your clothes. And then you're running late. And you can't find anything to wear. And then you can't find your keys and you cut off the morning. So you can't make yourself a nice breakfast. So the next thing you do is you find yourself having breakfast in the drive-thru, mm. right? That, 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 the turn of turn of events leads to making a bad food decision. And nobody is thinking about it that way. It's like, oh, if my closet's neat, so I can find what I'm looking for, my stress goes down, I bought myself 15 minutes, so I can scramble that egg or make that smoothie, you know, make a better choice. And I'm not drinking a double mocha frappuccino, something and a piece of cake. So it's really about understanding that living clutter free which means something, I'm not a minimalist, I'm not saying minimalism, but living so that your house and your space works supports all these other decisions you want to make in your life. This is really good. You just tied living clutter-free to fitness and I love it. Uh, And it's so true. So true. So let me ask you, are there main 
focuses that someone could have to really start to de-stress their life, like you just used the closet as an example, what are the prime places? And maybe even if you could give us some standards for those places, you know, maybe some uh, ways to kind of evaluate those spaces in our life that can help us to live clutter-free and also uh, live a little, a little more uh, stress-free, right? You yeah. know, if you will, yeah. We're always looking to get rid of stress. Um, so this is what I tell people. If you can't, if you have a room in your house, the kitchen, the family room, your closet, if you can't tidy it up, make it neat, make it, you know, ready to use in 20 minutes or less, clutter's gotten the upper hand, mm. right? You should be able to put every room back together in 20 minutes or less. So that's the first one. Also, if you have this feeling, and I can only describe it as a feeling, if you feel like your stuff owns you and you don't own your stuff, if you feel like you're managing your stuff and moving it around and moving it here to clearing off the table so you can eat, putting it back because you have nowhere. If you're having with that, that feeling, then stuff has gotten the upper hand. Mm -hmm. So the first step I tell people is just awareness. Just go a day or two and pay attention to where, um, you know, where you're just not comfortable. Like, are you not comfortable when you get up in the morning? Are you not comfortable when you go, you know, do you, are there rooms in your house you avoid? Cause you're like, Oh, I can't even go in there. It's full of stuff. And when you notice that discomfort go, Oh, okay. Why isn't this working for me? You know, am I not getting dressed in the morning? You know, am I not, am I not cooking for myself? Is there, do, is there a whole den that we don't even go in because it's just become a dumping ground. And from the awareness, you work backwards. Um, in, the, in my book, Making Space Clutter-Free, I have a whole work plan for the house, room by room by room, you know, very simple, very well laid out, not complicated. And I'm sure that you talk about this all the time with fitness, you know, everyone's like, I got to buy all this equipment and I got to have everything. And it's like, well, actually you could just put on tennis shoes and take a walk. That's a great start, right? right, right, right? Like move sure. your body, just move your body. Mm -hmm. And so I see that, I, that is a big, I call it fitness clutter where people go out and buy all the latest equipment and they don't use any of it. It's like, call a friend, take a walk. That's a great start. That's yeah. a great start. That it's it's funny too because when we have new people that that come into the building and they're like, okay, I'm super nervous and you know and I'm I'm giving them all the information and you know getting their health history that kind of stuff and I tell them I'm going to give you this pamphlet it's a nutrition pamphlet but I want you to know it's baby steps I want you to read it because I want you to have the knowledge but it's one thing at a time and each week we'll try to add one more thing baby steps. Don't all of a sudden think the only thing you can eat is chicken and lettuce. You got to drink your body weight, you know, half your body weight in fluid ounces. You got to come in here six days a week. I'm like, nobody can do that right now. Like it's just, let's focus on one thing. You don't drink water. Let's just focus on that. We'll get a couple glasses a day. Like, so I love baby steps. Yeah. That's, also, that's how I work best. And yeah. So, and that's how I try to work with our clients is like, it's just baby steps. Let's just take exactly. it. Exactly. And what I always say to my clients, exactly what you're saying, let's build on the success. Let's not, let's set you up for success, not failure. Right. You're not going to clean your whole garage in one day. You're just, right. it's not going to happen if you can't park your car in there. So let's get, let's do this. Let's baby steps. Yeah. Let's work on the rooms that are the most important. And then what's going to happen. And I'm sure it's that, I mean, the synergy is right there. You know, when you start drinking more water, you're like, wow, my skin looks better. I feel a little bit better. Okay. Right. Let me like, actually I'm paying attention that I don't feel good when I eat sugar. So let me, you know, it's the same thing with clutter. It's like, oh wow, this room that I decluttered, I'm so much happier in it. I want to do it for the next part of my house. So it's, it's start small baby steps, build on your success, pay attention to how much better you feel and use that as your motivator. Don't motivate yourself from shame, motivate yourself from, I feel better. I like getting dressed in the morning. Now I like going in this room and build on it. And you'll have setbacks. Of course, you know, I always joke that Rome wasn't cluttered in a day. You know, a lot of people have been living this way for a long time. So go easy on yourself. We're so hard on ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. I, I like something else that you just said too about if there's a 
room in your house. So for us, well, we have a teenage daughter. She's 19 now, but years ago, oh my goodness, her room was, and I've always been like, I don't know. They call me a neat freak. I, I just, I like a clean house. I like it tidied up. So it doesn't matter who stops by if it's unex, unexpected. I don't, I'm like, oh my God, they can always come in. Her room was always atrocious. And I said to myself one day, I said, you know what? I'm not going to fight with you about that anymore. I'm just going to close your door. You keep your room the way you want. But in the rest of the house, we as a team, as a family, we're going to keep that clean. And I'll only go in your room if I have to. <laughs> so I would literally just shut her door and then I didn't have to stress or fight with her anymore over it. And eventually she's like, yeah, I got to clean that room. It's terrible. I'm like, yep, you sure do. I, I call, I call kids rooms where hope goes to die. It's just like, <laughs> Ugh. but then the interesting thing, and I work with a lot of families um, and, you know, parents bring me in. And the thing that I say to the parents like that, like, let them live in it. Let it, you know, just shut the door. Don't fight about it anymore. But when they start to come to you and say like, oh my God, I can't find my ear pods or, oh my God, I want to wear this sweater. I can't find it. And you're like, that's called consequences. <laughs> you want to find your things, neaten up your room because you'll be able to find anything that you want. And if you start with kids when they're really little, kids, little, little kids, they go to preschool, they put all their toys away. They want to know where their stuff is. So it's like, okay, you know, all your Legos go here, all your stuffies go here. And it's about teaching them it's not about the messy room it's about you want to be able to find your toys when you want to play with them so let's put them away in the same place every time and you know when kids start to learn that it's really a big shift it's really really exciting so tracy let's use me for an example all right okay, so, <laughs> okay travis let's use you i like it i i uh i have a nice stand that definitely accumulates too many things on it and uh, that's because I always think that I'm going to read this book and that book. And then before I know it, I have six books on my nightstand that I'm not reading any of them. And then I. Um, and by the way, OK, go ahead, because I've, I've got I'm going to write a little note because I want to talk about that. Go ahead. And then I wake up in the morning and I go to a closet that's small. And uh, I would say better than 50 percent of the things in the closet are things that I don't currently wear, but they really make the things that I am trying to wear. Uh, hard to find and uh, wrinkled and wrinkled. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes I have to send them to the dry cleaners extra, not because they weren't recently dry cleaned, but because now they've been wrinkled by being stuffed in there with things that I don't normally wear. Mm -hmm. um, I do, you know, notice that some of my shoes are piled on top of one another. And typically I only wear one pair of shoes. I may expand to sandals during the summertime uh, or maybe even some boat shoes. But I do have about 15 pairs of shoes in there. One's like a pair of dress shoes. I'm a, I'm a gym guy, so I don't often get dressed up in, uh, you know, those kind of th things. But they're there in case I need them. And, um, and then uh, also I do have a tendency to make our table my work zone. And I have things that are piled up there sometimes in little stacks that uh, need to be put away uh, and not left there because then it looks, you know, rather messy and the table is not intended to be a work zone. Um, so those are some of the things that I go through. And so, you know, starting with the nightstand, for example, or, or starting wherever you want, even with my shoes, the closet, you know, how do you deal with somebody like me? How do you fix me? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. So let's talk about the consequences, right? So you said it yourself. I didn't even have to say anything. You said my nightstand, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but my nightstand is stacked up with books that I think I'm going to read and I don't read. So already when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, subconsciously, you're telling yourself you're a failure. Oh, I should be reading those books. Oh, I got to get to those books. Oh, why am I not reading those books? Right. And you run a business, you have a family, you're doing a lot of things. So you're already by stacking all those books up, you're already putting yourself waking up and going to bed at a deficit. So, you know, one, one book, mm -hmm. one book until you read it. And here's the other thing, you know, I call that clutter block. Uh, I think it's number four, my fantasy stuff for my fantasy life, right? You fantasize that you're going to read a book a week or a book a night. So you have 10 books stacked up. I'm going to read these. Guess what? You're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. You know what we're short on? Time. We're short on time. So where do you, you know, so this piling those books up 
isn't going to make you read it. And by the way, you're not a bad person for not reading those books. I'd rather see you acknowledge like, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I want to like talk to my wife. I want to wind down. I don't want to put pressure on myself that this is what I should be doing. So my rule in my house, and I'm the same person. I, I buy all the books. I'm like, this is the book that's going to fix everything. I'll tell you, I have bought every, every eating plan, diet book, you name it. I own it. Like uh, the South Beach to the caveman, to the thing, to the blah, 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 blah. You know, I know how it goes. Move more, eat less, lots of water. Right? right. So I'd love to see you in my house. I only allow myself one book on my nightstand. Okay. Because I just, and then, you know, and if a certain amount of time goes by and I haven't started it, it goes back on the bookshelf or it goes away. In terms of the closet, we only wear 20% of our clothes 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So, Yep. So it's time. It sounds like Travis, there's time for decluttering in that closet. I'm not going to wear this. I'm not going to wear this. You're making more work for yourself. You got to dig to find it. You got to send things out to be double dry cleaned. Like it's time, you know, and you just have to put a little bit of the time in like, you know what, this Saturday afternoon, I'm going to, I bet you, I bet you in an hour, you could get rid of a 30 year closet. Now, do you believe in, um, you know, because of course, some of those clothes become more relevant in a change of season. So when you're teaching people to declutter their lives, do you uh, teach them that these are, you know, you put away your winter clothes and you, you know, I mean, yeah, like totally. De- if you live in a season, I mean, I live in LA, so we have 70 degrees all year, but if you have a seasonal closet, take it out. Also, there's really something um, powerful. And I'm sure you must talk about this with your fitness clients, like, you know, change of seasons and acknowledging the change of seasons. It's like, oh, different foods are coming into like now it's summer. So we're going to eat a different kind of fruit. You know, it's the same thing, like summer clothes, put it like, there's really something about fall. I tell people to do it in fall and spring, not four times a year, twice a year. And it acknowledges the passage of time. Things are different now. So I'm a real fan of a seasonal closet. If you've got the space to take it out, it's great. It's really great. Um, so, and you know, you wear, you know what you wear, you, you know, you're a gym person, you wear trainers, you wear t-shirts, you wear hoodies, like, you know, again, fantasy stuff for a fantasy life. You're not a suit and tie guy. So you need one for special occasions and then that's it. That's right. it. And that's great that you, your uniform um, supports your life. This is, the, this is the life that this is who you are in the world. So why not dress it? Why not own it? Right? You don't, you're not a button down shirt guy. Great. You're not going to wear polos. Who cares? <laughs> oh, you know, oh, own it. That's the thing. We're so, um, own it. this is a, this is a great example. I think I should be a runner. I don't know why. I just have always had it in my head. You know what I hate to do? I hate to run. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel good. I don't get a runner's high. Like, I've spent so many times trying to convince, yeah, trying to convince myself. You know what I love? Well, I'll do. You know what I love? I love a spin class. I love a spin class. I like loud music. I like the group thing. I go, I do that. And so it was finally, I had to say like, you're never going to be a runner and that's okay. That's okay. You like to go to spin. You like to go to yoga. These are the things, support the things that you like to do. Don't beat yourself up for the things that you don't like to do. I mean, you must see that with clients all the time. Like if you don't like to, you're never gonna, I'm never gonna start to like to run. I'm just not, you know, it reminds me of PE and like I was always at the back, it was just ugh, the whole thing. So it's about <laughs> stepping into, I mean, right. You see that with exercise. Like what do people enjoy? What do, you know, it's not supposed to be torture. It's supposed to be, you know, how do you find the, the exercise? Do you like to, you know what it is? So step into what you own. If you're not a button down shirt guy, don't be a button down shirt guy. The world's full of button down shirt guys. That's not you, right? So I really yeah. want people to own who they are and be okay with it. How many, how many shoes does one guy need? <laughs> well, how many do you need? Three. <laughs> Really? really? Two, yeah. pa- two pairs of tennies and a pair of dress, four, two pairs of tennies, dress, shoes, and a pair of sandals for the summer, you know? Right. No. You know? And look, I wear tennies every day because I'm on job sites. So I have, 
five pairs of tennies because I like to mix them up and they make me feel cute. And, you know, but then all of a sudden it was funny the other day I was looking at my tennies and I was like, I haven't worn those in a long, long time because I have these new favorites. So maybe it's time to let those go. Mm. You know, it's time to, and it's also, Travis, about setting up your closet so that you, you know, this idea like that everything's smushed together. It just, you don't want to use it. You don't want to go in it. So you just get dressed out of the laundry basket. Do you use any tools? Do you use any, um, what are they called? Like, uh, I, I, you know, Cindy, you'll know this better. Where would we go? Uh, bath and body or someplace like, no, not bath and body, someplace where like they had more of those. Oh, organ- bed, bath and beyond. Bed, bath and beyond. Yeah. There it was, uh, you know, so they'd have some of these organizational things that uh, do you have, do you use those? Or if you do, do you have any favorites, you know, like as far as like helping people to, you know? Yeah. No. So I'm going to go back to our synergy here. It's this, I'm sure you have clients who come to coaching and they're like, well, I bought a thigh master and I bought a treadmill and I bought a Peloton and I bought a rowing machine and I don't use any of it except to hang my clothes on, right? I always tell people, do not go out and buy organizing tools until you've decluttered. Declutter mm-hmm. first, understand, get rid of what you don't need, then really say, and chances are for most people, they've already bought it all. It's in the garage, it's somewhere. I'm a big fan of containment. I love bins, I love baskets. There's really good use for them, but you've got to strip down before you put all that stuff in. Cause sometimes you're just containing for containing sake. Like, oh, it's, you know, it's the, I call it the bag of bags. You know, when you've got a big canvas tote and it's full of all these other canvas totes and all of a sudden you're like, I have so many canvas totes. It's like. Okay. No, you know, so yes, I am a fan, but you need to declutter first. You need to get honest about what you really need, let it go. And then you can start to put the systems in place. Mm, Very good. Very good. Good Well, we've talked about the bedroom. We've talked about the nightstand. We've talked about the closet. How about this spot, the kitchen? I mean, what do you say about the folks that have well, we have seven different sets of dishes, depending on who's coming. And we got so many sets of glasses that when you open up the cupboard, it's like one wants to fall out, you know, which is a little bit, you know, annoying. Um, uh, so, you know, talk about stress, right? Like, hold on, open yeah. up fast yeah, yeah. An avalanche. And why do we have seven different sets of types of plates, you know? Well, this is the one that's for Christmas. And this is the one that's, if this family comes over and this is my great grandma. So we keep that around. Like, uh, what do you do to help people in uh, to have a comfortable environment? That- so usually with the people who have lots of sets, my first uh, question to them is, lots do you what? actually use lots of sets of dishes? Oh, okay. My first question is, do you actually use it? Do you use these at Christmas? Do you put these out? Like, are you using the nice things that you have? Most of the time people aren't. Most of the time they're not using, you know, look, I'm, I love beautiful China. It's, I have a little bit of a weakness. I collect vintage stuff. I use it every day. But if you have these cupboards of things that you're just keeping because it was your grandma's or you feel guilty or you fantasize that you're going to set a beautiful table, you might not be that person. And that's okay. So it's really about, I mean, I think that the kitchen it just needs to be functional. You need to be able to get a glass of drink. You need to, you know, it just, it's a tool. It's the, it's the room in the house next to your bed that supports you the most. So it needs to be easy to use. Look at your countertop. Do you have an in, uh, air fryer, an Instapot, a George Foreman grill, a Vitamix? Like how many appliances do you have and how many do you actually use? right? You know, it's, it's so funny. Everybody's, I mean, I don't have one, so I haven't used it, but everybody's all about the air fryer. And it was like, oh, and you can cook broccoli in it. And I'm like, you know where else you can cook broccoli that's delicious? In the oven, right? <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can like little olive oil, a little salt, bake that up. Delicious. So, you know, I, I, again, this is where my fantasy stuff for my fantasy life, we think that this appliance is going to fix our lives when we are the ones that have to do it. And I really, I always start in kitchens. I feel really, um, I really want people's kitchens to be useful and support them. And, you know, it's the, it's the hub of the home. It's the yeah. hub of the home. And you know this, if you don't get your food supporting you, nothing else matters. 
Yeah, Cindy wouldn't even let our toaster stay out. She's I know. Like, I was totally thinking of that. Toaster, so I was totally like, thinking of that because, well, we don't typically eat bread. Um, yeah. But my daughter, you know, periodically she would do an English muffin or a bagel or something. It would irritate her to no end that she had to get in the pantry to get the toaster and put it on. the. And she's like, why can't we just keep the toaster out like every other family? I'm like, because it doesn't need to live out here. I yeah. like clean counter space. Love it. And the same thing. Once in a while, we'll do a shake with the blender, um, but it lives in the pantry on the shelf behind closed doors. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing about, you know, here's the thing, like the bread, the bread, the toaster is a great example, especially if you're someone who's trying to make a big diet change, right? Like I'm not going to eat, I want, I'm trying to cut bread out. And when I eat it, I only want to eat whole grain. If it lives on the counter and you see it, you're like, well, let me get that cinnamon raisin bagel, right? Like if you have to do the extra steps, you're like, you know what? Let me make a different choice today. I mean, let me not do that. So I told, I'm like, I like clean counters and then you can chop and then you can prepare. And then it's not because clutter begets clutter, you know, one toaster, one, then, then, then next thing you know, your whole kitchen's full. All right. Well, we've, we've analyzed me a little bit and I, and I have a question on behalf of a special lady in my life. Uh, my mother, <laughs> God bless her. Uh, if uh, she likes precious moments, so she has oh, uh-huh. two curio cabinets full. She like oh. she started collecting these wooden cats at one time, and they live everywhere in the house. So uh, many so- that now. They stat. They're coming out on the floors. They, yeah, sure. they're taking up the floor they're, they're, space. They're, they're around on the floors. They're, they're sitting on top of the cupboards. I mean, it's like a like a cat haven, right? And then there's um, uh, then there's Coca Cola. She likes Coca Cola. The interesting thing about her is, you know, it's funny. Like the the book, the love languages. They say that you know uh-huh. we don't really love people in the language they speak. We love people in the language that we speak, right? And so she will often love people in the language that she speaks, because if she hears that you like something like uh, my grandfather, he liked uh, John Wayne. So he would always get all these John Wayne gifts. He would have a John Wayne mug and a John Wayne poster and a John Wayne toaster and a, <laughs> and a coat and a this and a that. Right. You know, because she is like a, a collector beyond a collector. Yeah. Right. You know, like it's just like, you know. Um, so what of those seven areas does that fit into that's number that's number clutter block number three my stuff tells me who I am so uh, she is she has decided she's a collector right this is how she identifies she probably on some level every time she finds a new wooden cat or something for somebody else she gets a dopamine hit right oh I found this new thing I found a new coca-cola thing I haven't seen this before so she gets a little bump up um most likely her love language is gift giving, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how she does, you know, that's how she does it. So she's kind of decided that that's who she is in the world. That's her identity. And um, it probably, I mean, not to, you know, analyze your mom, but maybe she doesn't have to get vulnerable. Maybe she doesn't have to really show up because we can talk about the stuff. You know, I got you this gift. We're going to talk about the gift. She doesn't, maybe she doesn't have to ask like, how are you really doing? Or, you know, it's maybe it's loneliness. Maybe there's a lot, you know, it's a way to not get real because we're keeping this literal stuff in between us. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, but she's decided I'm a collector. Yeah, that's what I am. And And, she and I'm sure she's lovely and I'm not speaking, but, you know, but it's um, she's not buying your grandfather and the John Wayne. She's not buying those things because he loves John Wayne. She's buying them. So she it's for her, not for him. Mm -hmm. Right. She buys the gifts for herself, the process of going to the store, the finding it, the all the things. It's not for the person she's giving it to. So really, you know, we really have to think about um, when we give because of the, if you, if you will, the dopamine hit of collecting, or is, is that what you mean? Like, as far as like, yeah, probably do, it's twofold. Probably she gets a hit when she finds the thing. Oh, they're going to love this. And then also because her love language is gift giving. Oh, they're going to love me more because I found this gift for them. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of when at the end of the day, what we really want is to connect. How are you doing? How was your day? How's things going on? You know, but she, this is how she's connecting. And we, a lot of us do it. A lot of us do it. Oh, this gift, they're going to love it. They're going to love me more. You know, at the end of the day, we're all just looking for love and connection. 
all we want. Yeah, we want to be seen. Absolutely. And, and I would say that with, um, it, it's usually the older folks in our lives that, you know, have the most stuff that they can't get rid of because it was somebody else's. And that mm-hmm. would make sense because they've, they've lived the longest. So they've lost the most somebody else's. Um, how do you help people? That's my final question. I know we've taken up a lot of time with you today, you know, and I really appreciate all the, all the gems that you're giving to our audience. But I think this is an important one for everybody because everybody probably has something that they're hanging on to, not because they use it, not because they even like it, but just because it was somebody else's and, you know, there's something attached to that. So, you know, how do you coach somebody through that? So this is clutter block number six, stuck with other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. So I always say, and I give him credit, I famously stole this from Dr. Phil. I'm not pretending I made it up, but the amount of stuff that you keep from someone who passed away in no way reflects how much you love them. Mm-hmm. We keep the stuff because we can't, we don't want to lose the connection to them. So the stuff is the memory. So when we see the trinket, when we see the thing, when we see the piece of furniture, we remember them. But what I want to say is that you can have the connection without the stuff. My gra- I was very close to my grandmother. Very, very, very close. She was like my favorite per- I have one thing. I have her wedding ring. I wear it every day. That's it. That's all I have of hers. And, you know, there's a house full of stuff and I could have taken it, but it's like, this is the thing that reminds me of her. I remember seeing it on her little grandma hands and that that's it. And so every day I feel connected to her. So sometimes when people keep a lot of stuff from people who've passed away, they're just trying to keep the connection. And I invite them to try and find that connection the other way. Can you print out your favorite picture of the two of you together so that you see it every day, right? If your house is full or your garage is full or you're renting a storage unit of stuff from people who've passed away, you're actually dishonoring their memory, right? If your garage is full of stuff and it's getting wet and you're not saving it right and it's just disintegrating, that's not honoring their memory. So it's acknowledging that you want to keep the connection and keeping it in a way that supports you the best. Wow. Wow. That's really good. Take it down to one thing. Keep the connection. De-stress your life. Tracy McCubbin. uh, I mean, (laughs) Amazon bestseller. Uh, Thank you so much. You know, uh, guys, you definitely want to read her book, Mm. Making Space Clutter-Free, because just think about me. I'm going to feel like less of a failure if I can just get those books off my nightstand. Yay, yay, yay. And just so everybody knows that they're trying to not have a lot of books, my book comes as an audio book and I narrate it and it comes as an ebook. So you don't have to buy the book book. Oh, you don't even have to clutter up your life with her book. You can just listen to it or have it on your iPad. Um, Tracy, how can people connect with you? Maybe they want to consult with you on their lives or, you know, what's what's the best uh, way to follow you? Absolutely. So uh, my website is declutterfly, D-C-L-U-T-T-E-R-F-L-Y.com. It's a great place to find me. There's a clutter block quiz. So you can take the quiz and figure out what clutter block you have. Um, I'm big on Instagram. So find me over there. That's Tracy underscore McCubbin. And then if anybody needs a little extra support, I have a private Facebook group called Conquer Your Clutter with Tracy McCubbin. Come join us. It's a loving, supportive group of people where everybody's dealing with it. Everybody's giving each other support. You know, it's a lot of people use it as an accountability coach. It's just a really group of great group of people. So if you need a little more, we laugh a lot, which is great. Um, If you need a little more help, then that's definitely a place to come join us. Conquer Your Clutter with Tracy McCubbin on Facebook. Conquer Your Clutter on Facebook or go take the quiz and find out about your clutter in your life. I love it. Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right. People come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. 
If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.
And what I always say to my clients, exactly what you're saying, let's build on the success. Let's not, let's set you up for success, not failure. You're not going to clean your whole garage in one day. You're just, it's not going to happen if you can't park your car in there. So let's get, let's do this. Let's baby steps. Let's work on the rooms that are the most important. And then what's going to happen. And I'm sure it's that, I mean, the synergy is right there. You know, when you start drinking more water, you're like, wow, my skin looks better. I feel a little bit better. Okay. Let me like, actually I'm paying attention that I don't feel good when I eat sugar. So let me, you know, it's the same thing with clutter. It's like, oh, wow, this room that I decluttered, I'm so much happier in it. I want to do it for the next part of my house. So it's, it's start small baby steps, build on your success, pay attention to how much better you feel and use that as your motivator. Don't motivate yourself from shame, motivate yourself from, I feel better. I like getting dressed in the morning. Now I like going in this room and build on it. 